It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Well, good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We are with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Plenty of things to talk about. Uh, the phone line is open as well, 356-9397 is the number. Lauren Tate is here as well. How are you doing there, good Coach? Good morning, good morning. You awake? Got a ball game today. Got a boy. Let's go. Illinois basketball this afternoon at 2.30. Pre-game coverage at uh, 12.30. If you want to make sure you catch the uh, basketball broadcast in its entirety today, you want to go to WHMS 97.5. We've got women's volleyball, women's basketball in reverse order. Women's basketball first, following this show, and then women's volleyball this afternoon here on DWS. But uh, the whole men's basketball broadcast can be heard on WHMS, Light Rock 97.5, Illinois, and Minnesota. The Golden Gophers, 13-1 and one at home. I don't mean to look past today, but have you looked at the rest of this Illinois schedule now that they've changed it? I have, and if the folks haven't uh, seen it, they will play next Tuesday at Michigan State. We knew that. Yeah. And they play Thursday at home, which will be the last home game against Nebraska. Both those games at 6 o'clock. Then the following Tuesday, March the 2nd, at Michigan at 6 o'clock, and then later that weekend, that Saturday, will be the final game of the regular season well, at we, Ohio State. Don't forget Wisconsin. We got them That's on right. the 20th. We, we play the Wisconsin on the 27th. 27th, yes. Of a short month. Yeah. <laughs> then March 2 at Michigan and March 6 at Ohio State. So the last three games, places that it's very difficult to win, at Wisconsin, at Michigan, and at Ohio State. That's really going to be something. With a whole lot on the line, but uh, – that's why you play the game, right? That, could win them all, could lose them all. Yeah, that's right. And uh, they play five of the last six on the road. You knew that was going to kind of set up that way, but uh, that it is foreseen now. And Michigan's only going to, what, play 17 games? Is yeah. That, that going to be it for them? They've got three other games they're not going to make up. Yeah, Indiana, Wisconsin. I'm sorry, Indiana, Nebraska, and, and Penn State. Yep. Uh, Penn State and not Nebraska, uh, Northwestern, I think. Oh, is it? Yep. Penn State and Northwestern were road games, and the Indiana game was scheduled to be a game in Ann Arbor, but uh, they're not going to make those up before the Big Ten tournament. So they're going to come up three games shy of 20 in the uh, Big Ten race. Now, the big game this weekend is tomorrow in Columbus, Michigan and Ohio State, numbers three and four in the country. Who do you root for in that one? I guess you've got to go with the Buckeyes, (laughs) even though they're just a half game behind Illinois. We got at this point. You got to still try to catch Michigan. Yep, and uh, they're in a great position because they're going to have a, a lot fewer games, and you know they got a really good team. They're, they're more balanced than uh, than Illinois, I think. I mean, obviously, Illinois kind of hinges on the two guys. That's true, but if you look at their game by game and their their schedule, their schedule's not 
that tough. They're they're not playing some of the. Well, they haven't played right now. They haven't played Illinois, Iowa, or Ohio State. Exactly, period. but even their non-conference schedule was weak, mm-hmm. and then they won all those games. Yeah. So I don't think they've played the uh, strength of schedule that uh, Illinois has, or maybe even Iowa, and probably Ohio State as well. But well, no, and if you're only going to play the top teams, and I still consider Iowa a top team, even though they lost some games. I mean, Iowa can beat anybody when they're hitting. Well, they're, they're in the top four, no doubt. They're they're yeah absolutely and well when you don't when you only play those teams once each that's a pretty good deal because you're because you're playing most teams twice and Illinois is playing most teams twice obviously everybody is yeah and Illinois is going to have their twenty games in we hope yeah knock on wood right yeah got the phone line open now if you'd like to jump in three five six nine three nine seven our guest lineup includes. Professor uh, Sheldon Jacobson from the U of I Computer Science Department. Uh, we're going to talk about the upcoming NCAA basketball tournament. We'll have him at 9.15. Mike Grimm, the play-by-play voice for radio for the Golden Gophers, will join us at 9.45. Dave Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago. We'll talk about what's going on sports-wise in Chicago with him at 10 o'clock. Scott Ritchie from the News Gazette, who's making the trek to uh, Minnesota. He's there now. Drove up yesterday, so he'll be covering the game at Williams Arena. He'll join us at 10.30. And then we're off at 10.45 for Fighting Illini Women's Basketball. They play at Rutgers. Tip time for that is at 11 o'clock. Volleyball action last night. Ohio State beat Illinois in Champaign. Three matches to one by scores of 25-17, 26-24, 25-17, 25-22, so the Illini are 2-5 and five on the season now. Ohio State is unbeaten at 8-0, and oh, and those two teams will play again this afternoon at 3 o'clock at Huff Gym, and you can hear that right here on News Talk 1400 DWS. Men's tennis, how about that win over Southern Cal? That took uh, Brad Dancer's team from not being ranked to <laughs> number six in the country. Well, yeah, of course the Virginia <laughs> win, too. Yes. They had two wins and one loss. Right. So they uh, beat Penn State to open Big Ten Play last night at Adkins, five to two was the final there, and they play. Will be a top ten battle tomorrow, Sunday against Ohio State, who is ranked eighth. That uh, gets underway at noon. Men's tennis, Illinois and Penn State, wrestling last Big Ten uh, meet of the regular season for the uh, men's wrestling team, ranked number eleven in the country. They're on the road at Nebraska tomorrow. The Big Ten championships then are scheduled for the weekend of March. 6th and 7th, and Jim Heffernan's team is 5-2 and two in dual play. Let's go to the telephones as we get going here this morning, and let's uh, say good morning to Eric in Champaign. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, guys. Um, I was wondering if you heard anything about how we're going to get our tickets to the uh, to the NCAA tournament now that we're able to go for, for some games, <laughs> 25% capacity. Yeah, I've not heard uh, the exact procedure yet, but uh, you know they're going to take care of uh, parents and folks like that uh, well, let, out front, I would think. Let's just say they, they could seat 40,000, okay? 25% of that is 10,000. Then you're dividing that between four teams in each. I'm sure there'll be, uh, you know, there'll be two games in, in that uh, mm-hmm. that you would buy for. So that reduces it to 2,500 because there are four teams. And when you take it down to the, these other then, venues. Then you eliminate all the people, the media, everybody else. Because it's only it's only going to be 
25% of everybody. And it includes not just fans, but but the people on the sideline. So, in other words, Eric, good luck. Yeah, it, I've got you down to 2,000 right now in my mind, and I don't know if I'm right. I'm just telling you what I think it is. But you know it's there, there's going to be four teams uh, involved, and that's that means that each team will get one-fourth. Not to make this any harder on you, but here's the 25% capacity of these arenas. Banker's Life, Fieldhouse, 4,365. 43,000, you mean? 4,300 is the 25% of, oh of 17,000. Follow me? Yeah. Yeah. Mackey Arena, 25% is 3,700. Hinkle Fieldhouse, where Butler plays, 25% of their capacity is 2,275. I'm told that Indiana at Assembly Hall is only going to allow 500 in because mm-hmm. they've got a different uh, county situation different county ruling, yeah. going there. And Lucas Oil's uh, capacity, they're going to list it for basketball at 70,000. So okay, that's 25% of that is 17,500. Okay. That's where that, most, that'd be the final four. Yeah, I was going to say most of the games, they're going to have two courts there. And that's what I was thinking. I w- <laughs> you think they could actually get 70,000 people in for basketball, huh? That's what they said. Man, I was thinking more like 40. But anyway, uh, whatever number you put out then has to be divided by four. Right. And then you reduce it from there. So uh, maybe some season ticket holders will get tickets, but that would be about it, some of them. And parents. Season ticket holders of of who? Of the team. I mean, Of of the teams? Illinois. Right. I'm sure they'll get first dibs after the families. Yeah, I would think. You're right. So there you go, Eric. Uh, Larry, Eric left us, but if you're a season ticket holder, you you probably stand a better chance than than you and I do. Oh yeah. <laughs> so interesting thing though that 25 percent capacity was announced this week, and uh, it'll be fun to see how it plays out. We're getting down to that. What is it? Three weekends from uh, this weekend is Selection Sunday. Yep. You got it's the big, sneaking up. Big Ten tournament to go in there as well. Alrighty. Illinois has got a lot of really tough games between now and the tournament. I mean, they're really going to be tested, not only at the end of the season, but then you got this, the tournament, if they win a couple games in that, they, that's <laughs> they're going to be battle-scarred. Yeah, you like to think that uh, they'll do well enough to get one of the top four seeds and not have to play till later in the week in the Big Ten tournament. But a lot can happen, as you mentioned. Could win them all, could lose them all. Uh, you're not going to tie any of them, but... Uh, but I like the way Illinois plays, uh, even if you could criticize them a bit, perhaps. I, I know people have asked me this week, you know, how come they just seem to play to the level of the competition they're playing and they're inconsistent? And Well, everybody's trying to win the games, obviously. Let's uh, go back to the phones here real quick. And Bill and Rantoul, hey, Bill. First, a little negative, then the positive. Uh, drives me crazy. You know, guys are out there banging on the court. They're practicing together. And I don't know how many... Uh, and then they go down, they sit in their little seats six feet apart with their mask on. I don't know if how many seniors, if it doesn't change, how many seniors will want to go through this isolation and playing in front of no crowds again. So I think that's You mean next season? But, uh, yes. Well, what, what makes you think there'll be this much isolation next season? Well, I hope there isn't. I really do. But, but then again, nothing surprises me anymore, so. Well, but I think anyway, an awful I, lot of people I, are going to be uh, have been vaccinated by next season. I, 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 I hope you're right, Lord. 
I'm just, I guess, like I said, that's just the worst case scenario. But anyway, I just want to tell you guys, it's almost been a year since they shut down the Big Ten tournament. And my number one sport is Illinois basketball by far. And it was really a blow to me. And then losing the Big Ten or the uh, NCAA tournament was a huge blow. I've been listening to this show since I can remember it, well over 40 years. And I think this year, what you guys did was a tremendous service to the community. Well, we lost everything if you're a sports fan. And somehow you guys made it work for a whole year with a lot of time you just had to go off the top of your head and there was nothing to report, but you made a show that I've listened to more than I've listened to this show in 40 years. I listened more hours this year than I have in my lifetime, and you guys just did it. You deserve a lot of credit. Well, I will tell you, you that. You gave a lot back to the community. Over, over this season, I think if you asked Steve and I before, as we went into it, we thought, oh, man. Are we going to have enough to talk about? And but we always did. We yeah. Always, there's always something every every single week. There's always something that but our first thought was. You know, I wonder if they'll continue with the show. Will, they, will we take a hiatus for a while because yeah. nothing was going on? And, and we decided we'd like to keep doing it. And it you know hasn't always just flowed out there. We've been doing a lot of winging it, so to speak. But uh, I'm glad for your comments, Bill. We appreciate that very much. It's it's good to hear the the feedback because we do put some work into it and uh, I'm glad that uh, you've hung with us. Yeah, I'd say it's, uh, to me, it was, it's kind of, I wake up Saturday morning and I look around and what can I go do? And like, well, I'm, I'm sure going to listen to two hours of sports. <laughs> it, it's, it was a big boost for me. I just wanted to thank you. Yep. Thank you. We appreciate the call. Well, we count on our guests an awful lot. And nope, we got some good ones coming up today. I know, uh, I talk. Kaplan is uh, going to tell us more about Chicago sports and than maybe anybody can. Right. We mentioned the NCAA tournament coming up, the Final Four at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. The whole tournament in and around Indianapolis. The Big Ten, if you missed the announcement a while back, uh, has moved the Big Ten tournament to Lucas Oil Stadium. To my knowledge, though, Lauren, there's no plan for fans there for the Big Ten tournament at this point. I think it's still a Big Ten Situation, although I may be wrong on that. My question is why? I don't know why. If you now can do it, it a week later, why can't well, you do it the week before? That's a good point, and maybe the fact that it's going to be in Indiana might change that, from as opposed to being in the state of Illinois. I mm-hmm. don't know, but I think I've not heard any plans for that. We'll I take a break. Either. Was that? I haven't heard anything yeah. either. You're yeah. right. I mean, but I would, I would think that uh, it'd be reasonable to think you could get 25 percent in that week too. I mean. Yeah. Place same place, and that would be your. If that happens, that'd be your best bet to see Illinois play. Uh, but we'll wait and see on that. Moving up on nine fifteen, we'll take our first time out, then be back with our first guest, Sheldon Jacobson. We'll talk more about the uh, NCAA basketball tournament from his uh, information that and data that he comes up with on his computer. He's a U of I computer uh, professor and researcher. We're back with more Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Join us for Fighting Illini Volleyball. Tim Dippman and Mike Tramey on the call Friday night at 5, Illinois and Ohio State at Huff on DWS. That uh, match was played last night at 5 o'clock. Ohio State wins it by a score of three matches to one. They'll play again this afternoon at 3 right here, Illinois Volleyball on uh, DWS. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 1045 ahead of Fighting Illini Women's basketball today. 
going to talk some uh, NCAA tournament basketball now with Dr. Sheldon Jacobson, U of I computer science professor and researcher here in Champaign-Urbana. Uh, Dr. Jacobson, good morning and welcome to the show. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me, Stephen Lawrence. Well, to talk to you, you may have uh, heard a bit of us talking about uh, fans going to be uh, permitted 25% capacity at the NCAA tournament in the Indianapolis area. What does uh, what was your reaction to that, and does it cause you any pause as far as uh, how it might affect uh, the actual execution of the tournament? Well, we're not in March 2020 anymore. <laughs> a year has passed. We've learned so much, and we've seen that a number of football programs have fans in the stands, and Notre Dame has had it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem as long as the appropriate protocols are in place, you know, the, the mask wearing, all the usual things that we know to follow and do. If we continue to do them and people follow the protocols, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Uh, from the fans' point of view, though, they want to see it, and the players want to have fans. So I think this is a, an important step forward in terms of how we're dealing with the pandemic, but also for college basketball in general. Do you like the idea of centering it around one place this year? I do like that. It does provide a measure of control of the situation because everybody knows where they are. Uh, the players, the teams, they're going to hunker down, the fans. Uh, there are some risks when you have concentration of people, certainly. But once again, everybody knows what they're, they're buying into. I think that's the key point. There's no surprises here. You know what you expect, and you're going to follow the protocols. Well, Sheldon, we saw that uh, about 20% of the games were not played. Well, I see five, six more games today that won't be played around the country. Uh, if 20% of the 68 teams would happen to be involved with the pandemic and, and you would have to, what, are, you gonna, are they going to cancel those games? How are they going to structure the thing with the realization that you probably can't get through all these games without somebody coming down with the pandemic? Well, that, that's a great point, Lauren, because with, we've had around 20% of the games canceled through the season. But once again, as we approach the tournament, everyone's going to tighten their bubbles up quite a bit, especially the teams who know that they will be in the tournament or have a chance to be in the tournament. But with 68 teams gathering together, you know, one bad outbreak means that a team will say, we can't play. And that means there has to be new protocols in place. Will the selection committee choose a 69th, a 70th, a 71st, second, 72nd team, which will be in some sense on the taxi squad? Will they give first-round buys to the, the number one seeds when people cannot, in fact, uh, play? Uh, we don't know yet. The point being is that we have to be adaptable and adjust to the situation. Uh, when you uh, see a player like Johnson leave Duke in the middle of the season here, a star player, and you see the Ivy League has dropped out already. They've opted out. Uh, what does it mean? I mean, does this season have the same meaning uh, as a, a, a normal, what I call a normal season? Well, it's been an unusual season, certainly. Uh, we're having teams like Michigan State, who most likely will not make the tournament for the first time in a long time. You have teams like Duke that are struggling, probably won't make the tournament unless they make a nice run at the end of the season. This is just part of the variations that go on in any season. The variations this year, are in fact, are elicited by COVID-19, but they're no different than any other season. You always have these unusual situations. We're visiting with Dr. Sheldon Jacobson from the U of I. I think we had you on for the first time uh, last July, and 
from that point to now, how how is this changed in your mind? How do you think it's been handled? Uh, are you surprised or uh, given the fact that we have nobody had gone through? I didn't. I guess we didn't know what to expect. But your take on having uh, you know almost a year to look at it. Well, I've been impressed by the way that the student-athletes have embraced the situation. Uh, They're highly motivated because they want to play. And as a result of that, they've maintained the protocols. Illinois, in particular, has done a phenomenal job of ensuring the safety and the well-being of the players and the coaches. It takes a certain amount of discipline and diligence. So overall, I've become more optimistic. I've written a number of pieces saying, you know, we should be having all of the sports as soon as possible with appropriate protocols. Uh, we saw recently with Mike Small's program in golf, the phenomenal job winning their first tournament. Not not the, the greatest field, but nonetheless, they, they golfed very well in fairly straightforward conditions. Uh, we're seeing a sense of normalcy returning, and this is good for everybody. What does your computer tell you about uh, where Illinois might be seated? I've realized there's a handful of games yet, and a lot can change, but it's been kind of fun tracking it, hasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I've been following all of the teams that we have our bracket projections at the Bracket Odds website. And uh, for Illinois' situation, they have six really, really tough games coming up with five of them on the road. We have them as low as a fifth seed. We have them right now a fairly strong second seed. Uh, It's good they're playing Michigan, but boy, when you're playing six games in two weeks, it's going to be tough. I suspect they're going to hold on to the second seed, which means that they're going to be in the same region, whatever regions mean now in terms of one location, as Gonzaga or Baylor. Uh, They probably deserve to play in the Baylor bracket rather than the Gonzaga. Uh, So I see Illinois fairly solid. Now, of course, if they lose five of six games, they could drop to a three seed, possibly a four, but I don't see that happening. Uh, explain what uh, we mean by no geographical problems. I mean, uh, I'm going to mention that we have maybe 10. If if Indiana, Minnesota, and Maryland happen to all get in, that's 10 Big Ten teams. What would that do to the seeding? Because you want to keep the Big Ten teams as far from each other as possible. Well, it's, it's not a physical farm right now. It's going to be a, a region farm, but the regions are not geographic. Before, you would have the top four teams in each of the regions being geographically close so that in the first couple rounds they have a slight advantage. That doesn't exist anymore. So they want to make sure that, for example, you don't have a, an Illinois team playing in the second round with an, uh, or a, a Big Ten team playing in the second round with another Big Ten team. You want to avoid those kinds of things. Uh, it's going to be fairly manageable. And the Big Ten is in extremely good shape in terms of having their teams seated very well. We're going to have at least one, number one, possibly two. You know, Illinois looking at the, three, at the two line. I think Iowa is going to sneak up to the three line before it's all said and done. And then you have other teams. Maryland is sneaking its way into the tournament. I don't have them in my bracket right now, but I'm going to be putting them in. Uh, most likely in the next 24 hours. Uh, I think uh, we're going to have an interesting situation because it's as neutral a site as you can get when you have everybody in one location. And, well, the, and the fact that there'll be probably at least 10 Big Ten teams in, it makes it a little bit uh, difficult, even though you said it was manageable, but it, it takes a little extra concentration there to get that uh, done the way you want. Yeah, let me ask that question. Can, do you think you could reach the Sweet 16, which would be two games, you start with 64, I mean, after the, uh, the first four. So you have two games each, and now you have 16 teams left. Could you reach that point without Big Ten teams playing each other? 
Well, you can have first round is not a problem, obviously. The yeah. second round should not be a problem as well. When you now get into the Sweet 16 teams playing each other, I believe you can do it at that level. Uh, getting into the Elite Eight would be impossible if you had if you have ten teams trying to be for, uh, for eight spots. It's, it it doesn't work. It's called the <laughs> no. principle of mathematics. But you can do it with the sixteen with a little bit of care. But then you start having to adjust the seeds, and I always get a little uncomfortable when you start adjusting the seeds. Uh, so as a result, it can be done, but it takes a little bit of finessing. Can you tell me the difference between the RPI and the net? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, well, the RPI is purely based on scheduling. The net, on the other hand, is based on performance and efficiency. In fact, I, I've been a, a critic of the net because they were tweaking it a little bit too much. It's like an artificial intelligence. If you start to tweak the parameters, you start to get results that you want rather than what is really represented in the data. And I get a little concerned when they started to manage these parameters for the net to get a certain effect based on past performance. And if you look this year, there are teams which have low nets, like Penn State, for example, yet has no hope of making the tournament. And you ask, what does this mean? Uh, so as a result of that, this year, because the home field advantage, the home court advantage has eroded, and the net heavily weights road victories, we're going to see, in some sense, a misseeding of some teams. Weaker teams will get better seeds than they deserve. Stronger teams will get weaker uh, seeds than they deserve. And that means upsets. So watch for a lot of upsets in the first two rounds. Can you tell us who will win the NCAA tournament? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, I don't have a crystal ball, but I will say that in a single elimination tournament, it takes one hiccup to lose your place. And as a result of that, look at teams that have been consistent. This is going to be the year, I believe, where we're going to see more mid-majors making uh, the tournament, getting at-large bids than we've seen in quite some time because they've been performing well. But they're going to tend to be seeded in the 11, 10, 9 range. And that means watch some number one seeds falling in the second round, potentially. Ooh. We may see one of those happen. You want me to pick a team? Uh, I'm not very good at that. Uh, all I can say is there's going to be some surprises, and those surprises are not necessarily going to be in the top eight teams. Well, Paul Klee, who graduated from Gonzaga, says it's going to be Gonzaga. Well, and, uh, <laughs> he says that every year. Another question, Dr. Jacobson: Do you see? Does the computer show a big uh, difference between Gonzaga, Baylor, and the rest of the field? Uh, the, the numbers are such that there's, a, there's a certain teams that are distinguishing themselves based on the performance metrics and efficiency, and certainly Baylor and Gonzaga are right up there. But Michigan is right with them. Ohio State is very good. Illinois is a little bit below, just a tad below. But in the zone that you would say that if they consist, make a run, that would be, that would be within the realm of the analytics. The difficulty is Illinois has six games in two weeks, then the Big Ten tournament, uh, they're going to be tired, and uh, that concerns me. Well, we appreciate your time, as always. Good information. Uh, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you very much. You bet. Thanks, Sheldon. That's Sheldon Jacobson, U of I computer science professor and researcher. Does a lot of work there on uh, computer issues, obviously, and has been a fan of the NCAA tournament as well for many years. Moving up on 930 WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Next segment, open line. If you don't want to jump in, feel free to do so. We'll talk some more 
basketball some more about the game today. 9.45, Mike Grimm from the Gophers Radio Network will join us, and that'll take care of the first hour. But an open line coming up after this, 356-9397. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate with you all the way till 1045 this morning. We're off a little bit early for Illini women's basketball. They're on the road at Rutgers, 11 o'clock tip. Mike Kuhn will have the play-by-play. Ed Bond will be on the dials and buttons today. Let's go back to the phones real quick. Steve in Princeton is with us. Good morning, Steve. Hey, I just wanted to comment. I enjoy listening to the U of I ball and their announcers. And I know Tim Dibb works for WDWS, but who is the analyst and what's his background? Mike Tremie is the analyst, and he's got a volleyball background that I'm not uh, real familiar with, but he, he does know the game, and you can tell by listening to oh, him yeah. that he does. Yeah, he does. And he's a, he's a local guy here, and uh, I'm not sure what his full-time job is, but he enjoys doing that, and he's worked uh, uh, he worked with Dave Lone before, and then... Tim Dittman last year took over the play-by-play when uh, Dave Lone retired. And uh, Mike Tramey is his name. But he sounded like a former coach or anything. But like yeah. you said, he knows the game and he expresses it well so he can understand it and so forth. But I Googled his name, but I can never find it. That's the uh, story there. We'll look it up and we'll we'll talk to Mike a little bit uh, sometime and, and learn more about his background. I'm sure Tim Dittman can tell us. But uh, yeah, they, they both do a good job on that and Hopefully uh, the volleyball team will get going here. They're off to kind of a rough start. But that's tough competition they're going against, too. So No doubt. Hopefully the problem is it's tough competition all season long because you don't have any non-conference games in the Big Ten, and they like wrestling. The Big Ten volleyball is the best in the country. By the way, that was right. a, Thanks, Steve. That was a question I meant to ask uh, Sheldon Jacobson about the fact that you have so few uh, non-conference games how does that? How do you um, compare one conference to another when you don't really you haven't had those games in the early season? I, I asked a question with with the thought in mind also that it shouldn't matter because teams are different by the end of the season anyway. Well, that's They're true. They're not the same teams that that's they were true, in, you don't, in November. You don't get those uh, resume builders or whatever you want to yeah. call those. Yeah. Uh, and that works both ways. It could hurt you if you're playing a bunch of I cupcakes. Think, I think those games are misleading anyway. I do too. Because by this time of year, it's just a different team. Well, look at the win, Illinois win over Duke. Mm-hmm. That was nice at the time. Duke was top mm-hmm. 10 at the time, but it's proved yeah. out they weren't a top 10 team. Yeah. So those things that come around to, to even out, I would guess. Illinois about a four-point favorite, I think, today. Yeah, I saw five, yep. four or five, something like that. And Minnesota's 13-1. 13 and 1 at home. And, and look, 0 and 8 on the road. Right. <laughs> so you tell me that the that the home court doesn't matter? We Exactly. We'll talk to uh, Mike Grimm about that. But I want to ask about the fact uh, that it's such a discrepancy there, 13 and 1 at home, with no fans. Now, you and I have both been to the Williams Arena, affectionately known as the Barn, many times. It's an interesting building. And if you get a chance when you – when fans can go, you should, and you have a chance to see a game there. You should because it it's gets unlike any other gym. It gets uh, noisy in there, and uh, the basketball court itself is a stage. Yeah, 
and and actually there's a there's a drop off it is uh, just on the edge there you know if you happen to fall out of bounds you could fall right down yeah and the benches are down the coach yep. sits up on a stool yeah if he wants to uh, I may have told you this over the years but the first time I did a television game in Williams Arena and if the outside of the building I mean it's it's pretty tight between the streets and the alley and everything but the play-by-play location courtside for TV was on the opposite side of the cameras. They couldn't get the cameras in on the other side. Oh. So when you looked at the monitor, the teams were going the other way. (laughs) (laughs) You look at a replay, the teams are shooting at the opposite basket. People just don't know what we go through, do they? (laughs) I handled it okay back then. I don't know if I would now or not. But uh, I remember when uh, Doug Altenberger joined me for the first time up there, we had to kind of – Get him through that a little bit because it, it's a bit confusing. Now I they may, they may have changed that since that time. That was back in the the late eighties uh, when I did a game up there. So that that was a little bit uh, disconcerting as you try to call a basketball game. Nine thirty seven three five six nine three nine seven is the number. Let's hear some comments from Brad Underwood about uh, today's game against Minnesota. As soon as I hit the right the button. analytics play that out as the toughest league, uh, maybe of all time. So going to a 13-1 and Minnesota team at home who has beaten Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, all on their home court, and uh, a team that uh, you know has two of the better players in our league, and Marcus Carr and and, and Liam Robbins, and um, a, a team that um, you know has, has, has got some experience. They're old. Uh, they're getting spectacular play from Jamal Mashburn Jr., now he's come off back-to-back career highs. Uh, the insertion of Williams in the lineup has given them some uh, athleticism and 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 some some tremendous energy. They're a team that plays extremely well at home. Brandon Johnson at, at the four spot uh, has had a game where he went eight for nine from the three at home. So um, you know a team that uh, obviously is 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 very very good in the barn. Uh, we're going to have to play very very well to win. And uh, they're a team that, uh, again, is uh, an NCAA tournament team and a team that, again, is, is capable of beating anybody in this league as they've already proven. Certainly they prove, have proven that at home. I want to say this. This team uh, will match up. Illinois will match up better for two reasons. Number one, Mashburn is a perfect fit for Iowa defensively. Iowa can guard him, I think. And secondly, uh, you don't have Frazier going against a six foot seven point guard, which is a, makes it very difficult for his lack of height. This way, he can t- he can tie into a guy that's six two. Which tie is, into Marcus Carr, who will tie yeah, into. He's going to have Carr. Yep. He's going to have Carr. He had him and, in the game here and did a yep. pretty good job on that's him. Right. They sent re- him to the foul line too many times. Yeah. But. Carr's really good, but I think this is this is something. At least I think that, that they match up now. Whether you can stop him, that's another question. But I I don't think that. Uh, I don't think they, they present any impossible matchups. That's what I'm saying. And they had a hard time with, as many teams do, they had a hard time with Kofi in that game here. Yeah. They'll and have, they've got some guys banged up. Yeah, Kosher's out. He's averaging nine points a ball game for them. So uh, Gabe Kosher uh, is uh, a key guy for them. And, but with him out, that just means more minutes for Mashburn, who's red hot. Yep. A lot of folks have talked about uh, this Illini team being a bit inconsistent. But I remember the day, back in the day, when uh, in 2004-2005, Illinois obviously ended up going to the Final Four. 
late in the season doing the post-game show. You know, they were 27-28-0, and team, or people were calling complaining that they weren't beating teams bad enough. That's going to come around to get them someday. Well, Matt <laughs> yeah. Sylvester made sure I got them one time anyway, and yeah. then North Carolina got them the second time. But uh, yeah. Uh, they they are a bit inconsistent. Brad Underwood talked about that as well. When I talk about those inconsistencies, I talk about them because it's, it's areas I want to continue to get better. I'm always trying to play the perfect game. Well, gosh darn, so is the other team, and they're good. Northwestern is an old team, you know, and 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 they're veterans, man. They're not those guys aren't lying down. You know, Chase Adige is a good player. You know, so every every game has them. It's part of basketball, and and again, I'm I'm striving for the perfect game and. I get frustrated when Io kicks one off his foot or, you know, throws a bad pass and, uh, and, and those things, you know, and then we, then you combine that with miss a couple of missed free throws. And, and that's what, that's what drives me to, to continue to push these guys to get better and, and great teams. It's, it's, it's always us. It's, and, and, and we, it's never I and me, we got a high character guys. We've got unbelievable uh, locker room. And and I think sometimes it's just a re- little realignment, a little tweak, just to make sure it's a, it's it's at the right forefront. That's Brad Underwood. Let's go to the phones. Marty is with us from Pinehurst. Good morning, Marty. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Good morning. Um, regarding the Illini, probably the only thing that that disturbs me from time to time is they make some some senseless kind of sloppy turnovers. Yeah. Uh, for a team that's got as many good guards as they've got. Uh, but other than that, it's a Big Ten. It's a good league. You're not going to be the best you are every night. And, yeah, I remember those calls back in 2004-05 about they're not beating people bad enough, and I, I thought, God, just be happy to win, people. Um, have you heard anything on spring training so far, Steve or Lauren? Other than a bunch of guys – besides the pitchers and catchers, for the Cardinals at least, and I guess, I'm guessing that's what you're talking about, um, yeah. including Nolan Arenado, arrived early in Jupiter, and they've been been uh, working out, and the pitchers and catchers are there. I know that they're, they're planning to get a look at uh, Nolan Gorman at second base and uh, maybe another position, perhaps even a, an outfield position, but uh, yeah, I definitely want to look I'm at him in second. Cor- I'm thinking corner outfielder, maybe a right fielder eventually with his arm, because uh, otherwise I can't figure out why they haven't got a left-handed bat, because they're thin on... The only thing that concerns... It shouldn't, I guess, you got to hit all pitching, and et cetera, et cetera, but they've only got uh, a couple switch hitters in Carlson and Edmund, and then Carpenter. They don't have a lot of left-handed batting other than that. That's nope. kind of strange for a major league team. Yeah, they don't. You're right so there. That worries me a tad. I do like the fact that they had 10 different guys start last year in a 60-game season, 10 different starters. Eight of them are back, and they're bringing Mickles back. He wasn't there last year because of an injury. So they've got a lot of depth in the pitching area, which I do like. But uh, I, I – I, just have a funny feeling that they're counting an awful lot on those young outfielders again, and I'm not sure that's a good idea. I, what's Lauren think about that? I'm like you. I think it's really questionable to count on them, but that's what they're doing. And I've mentioned several times they, they've done everything they could to protect their pitching, to protect those young arms, so they should be 
okay depth-wise, pitching-wise, but uh, I still don't yep. know who the fifth starter is, and I don't even know for sure who the fourth starter is. So Yeah, I don't either. I uh, I see one publication had Reyes lift as a, listed as a fifth starter, and they had Hicks listed as closer. I'm like, Hicks isn't going to be back till the middle of the season, I don't think, yeah. off his Tommy John. And uh, I liked Reyes in the bullpen quite a bit. I'm, of course, everybody loves to start. Martinez says he wants to be a starter, but I'm not. I'm a little. I have problems with Martinez because he's just flighty. Yep. I just I never figure him out. So I, I'm encouraged that people are showing up early. I think they're excited about having. I think Arenado's addition has excited the team. But we'll watch and see. Uh, great show. I. You know, you need to have Sheldon Jacobson on more often. He's really good to listen to. Yeah, he is. He's he's a sharp guy. All right, you guys make it a great show today. Thank you. Thank you. Marty, we appreciate the call, as always. Moving up on the 945, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And the folks at Illini Pella would love to help you find the perfect window on and or door for your home. Whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, check out their showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign and see their products in person. Discover the beauty of the wood windows, the ease of the between-the-glass blinds, or the durability of the fiberglass entry doors. Pella experts know all about what type of window or door works best for each unique home. Working with them is an easy process. They'll be there for you from uh, start to finish, from the shopping to the installation steps, even financing if that is uh, an issue for you. Learn about uh, the, more about the styles, materials, options, all available to you. The Pella Window Team has the knowledge and years and years of experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. 356-6474 is the number from Mike Mary and his team on the North Country Fair Drive. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Check them out online at PellaofChampagne.com. It is 946. We'll take a break. We'll talk more about today's game, Illinois and Minnesota basketball, after this. Stay with us. When I tell us Saturday Sports Talk rolls on with Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly here on News Talk 1400 WDWS. It is 948. We've talked a lot this morning about uh, today's basketball game this afternoon. 2.30 from the barn, Williams Arena in Minneapolis. Let's go to uh, Minnesota. Talk to our good friend Mike Grimm, the voice of the Golden Gophers. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Hey, doing well, Steve. Yeah, good to be on with you. Thank you. You're getting done with your uh, pregame interviews. What did the coach have to say? Tell our listeners what his secrets are. <laughs> well, it was crazy. He guaranteed a win. He said <laughs> Illinois was no good. Um, you know, like all the coaches always say. You know, it was no. Uh, he, you know, he's he's uh, trying to stay as optimistic as he can. He's lost his best perimeter defender in, in Gabe Kalsher with that broken finger. And, and and quite honestly, Gabe did a pretty good job against Io DeSumo in that first matchup back in December. I think Io only had only now, but he only had 11 in, in that game. So now all of a sudden your best perimeter defender is out. Uh, Kelcher had a, a surgery on his hand yesterday. So still thinking three weeks, which, you know, the hope is maybe back by the Big Ten tournament. Um, and, you know, the Gophers can, can try to, you know, get out of the gate here the last, you know, these last four or five games be in the tournament, but they're kind of limping to the finish. And then Liam Robbins is the starting center going up against Kofi Coburn, and Liam has had an ankle injury since the Purdue game. 
that has really hurt his mobility. And as you guys know, going up against a guy like Coburn, uh, that that's difficult. So um, the the answer from Richard Patino, and I just got off the phone with him or off the Zoom, I guess is how we have to do these interviews now for pregame. Um, is um, is uh, team basketball, team defense is is, is going to be the key for Minnesota against this very good Fighting Illini team. This is Lauren. You followed the team all season. They're thirteen and one at home and zero and eight on the road. Is there that much of a difference in the way they play home and road? You know, I mean, obviously the results are that way, Lauren. No, no question. And and they've gotten run out of the gym a couple of times on the road too, which hasn't helped that. I, this I will say though, um, when you look at their schedule, and this is no knock on any any programs out there, but if you look at Minnesota's road schedule, they haven't been favored in any of the eight games. Um, they haven't gotten to go to Nebraska or Penn State or, and again, it's not a knock on anybody, and any of those teams can beat Minnesota. I'm not trying to suggest not, but, um, you know, they, they haven't gotten to go to a couple of those. They did, you know, it, it, remember two years ago, five years ago, you go to Rutgers and you're thinking, oh, that'll be a nice road win. Well, uh, playing at Rutgers is is a hard deal now. Tell us. They lost that game, so. <laughs> You know, and so it's they've lost eight games on the road. They're zero and eight. All eight of those teams are probably going to make the NCAA tournament. So you know, they they, they haven't got they, they don't even get to go play at Northwestern. And again, that's not a bargain. I'm not trying to say that the Gophers are, you know, well they would win, but it, I, I do think there's something to it. They haven't played well on the road uh, for two years now. They're they're, they're they, they've only won two games, and you know, they only won two games on the road last year. But I do think this year there is something to the idea that. Um, the schedule hasn't been great to them. You know, they, their first eight games in the Big Ten were all against ranked teams. Uh, they didn't play any of the unranked teams, and they still haven't. They still haven't played Northwestern, Penn State. They did play Nebraska once, um, and so uh, their worst loss was, in terms of rankings, was the other night against uh, Indiana at Indiana. That's the worst loss they've had. I think Indiana's like forty, what forty-four in the net rankings. Um, they've gotten swept by Maryland, but Maryland's, you know, they're 34 in the net rankings, and now most bracketologists have them in the tournament. So it's it's not like they – so, so I, I think they've gotten a little unlucky, quite frankly, um, but that doesn't – you know, luck does, you know luck plays a role in it. So um, I think the road record is somewhat coincidental just in the terms of they, they, they weren't favored in one road game yet, you know. They don't get to go to Northwestern. They still have to play at Penn State. And again, no bargain. They're easily, in fact, they'll be an underdog at Penn State. There's no doubt about it in that one as well. So, um, uh, you know, it, it, and the league's hard. The league's hard. There's no doubt about it. And it's weird because on the flip side, Lauren, you look, um, let's just for the fun of it say uh, that the Gophers get an upset today. Um, the Gophers would have a win over number three, four, five, and six at home in the net rankings. Really? And, and obviously nobody, nobody else could say that. You know, they, they beat Iowa at home. They beat Minnesota, uh, Michigan at home. And they beat Ohio State at home. That's number, I think right now, that's number three, four, and six in the net rankings. Who was it that won up there? Maryland, wasn't it? Maryland's the only uh, road. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, Maryland swept the Gophers. And, and you know, I, I they've looked great against Minnesota in both those games. And I, I joked on the air that if you're a Gopher fan and all you do is watch the Gopher games, and there's a few people out there, you know, they're not going to sit down and watch you know, Northwestern play Michigan State. They just want to watch the Gophers. Uh, if that's all you watch, you would think Maryland must be way out in front of the, of the Big Ten standings because the way they played those two games against Minnesota. And I don't know what it is. Maybe the matchups uh, fits right. 
but uh, they came in and handled Minnesota here easily. I mean, they 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 kept Minnesota at arm's length away at the uh, in the game here at Williams Arena, and then the Gophers went back down to Maryland a week or two later and pretty much put that game away early. They, they were up twenty to three right out of the gate, and um, Minnesota cut it to six late. Uh, ended up losing by ten or eleven, but yeah, Maryland played great in those two games. But that's the only loss the Gophers have taken uh, at home. They're thirteen and one at home. This time of the year, guys like you and me and Lauren and other people that cover uh, college basketball, Big Ten basketball, start thinking about their coach of the year, player of the year, a Big Ten all-first uh, team. And I've got Marcus Carr at this moment on my all-Big Ten first team. Do you agree with that? And uh, tell us more about him. Yeah, he's been really good. Um, you know, he's he had a little bit of a blunder late in the Rutgers game, and so people were trying to kill him for that. And um, we, we had to sit through an entire ESPN broadcast of Dan Dockage basically killing the kid for 40 minutes on, on live national TV. Um, other than that, uh, it's been great. You know, it's, uh, you know he, he's, he's a good player. Um, this team really relies on him. And he's a, you know, he's a point guard who's, who's a scoring guard. So as you know, the game has changed maybe a little bit, really certainly over the last 20 years, but even in recent times. So he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, which means – a lot happens, um, and you know he's averaging 19 points a game. Uh, he's certainly one of the better, more clutch players. I mean, he has—I think he has seven buzzer beaters either at halftime or to uh, to close out a game uh, in his two years at Minnesota, which is you know a, a good number. Uh, he he sent the game to overtime against Iowa with a three at the buzzer or close to the buzzer, um, and then they won that game in overtime. He. Uh, had a game-winning shot in a non-conference game that was closer than people thought against Loyola Marymount. Uh, they 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 had a weird back-to-back thing, and the Gophers blew them out in game one, and then it was a close game two two nights later, and he had a three to win it at the buzzer. Uh, he won you know the Ohio State game uh, with a buzzer beater last year, and I'm trying to think there was another uh, oh Purdue he 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 uh, he hit a three to beat Purdue at the buzzer just just a couple of weeks ago. So in fact, he hit two threes, two big threes. Minnesota was down five with three minutes left and he hit a three to, to um, I think tie it. And then, uh, then was down two and hit a three to, to basically win it. So he's just been a really clutch player an important player um, for, for this team. There's no question about it. We don't make this call yet on the big 10 first team or the player of the year. You're kind of a innocent bystander on this. Is, uh, but right now tell me who your big 10 player of the year would be. In fact, we uh, Patino and I just talked about that on the pregame show as we were talking about you know it you know we all would think it would be hard be hard to unseat Luca Garza right he won it last year he's had an even better year this year so how do you how do you uh, you know it would clearly take some sort of a big level performance for a season to to uh, knock him off the uh, the throne so to speak but you can make a really strong argument that Desumu is is a guy that, uh, that that has put together a good enough year to potentially do that I think it's I think it's very tight um, I'm not sure who will win it uh, it may come down to who finishes better in the standings you know uh, you know wh- where from here to the end does it go um, obviously the stats will, will play a role but um, there's no doubt Garza is really good I mean he you know they count on him big time but boy what what uh, Io Desumu is doing here with Illinois uh, especially during the six-game win streak, um, you know he had the what, triple double against Wisconsin. Um, he's been remarkably good. So um, I, I I can't say yet. I think I got to see the final stretch of these games to see where the teams end up, to see how good they are, to see who closes strong. 
but um, man, it's going to be tough. I would guess some guys will wimp out and and split their vote. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think um, I think both these guys are are really good, and I, I think it's clearly at this point a two man race. I mean, there's some other. I mean, there's some there's so many good players in this league. I mean, the Gophers played Purdue a couple weeks ago. And, you know, Travion Williams is putting together a string of double-doubles, and he's been unbelievable. And um, quite honestly, you don't hear much about him, you know, just because there's so many other good players. you got Coburn. You know, even Liam Robbins from Minnesota has been Big Ten Player of the Week twice as a center. Um, you know, Liddell at Ohio State and uh, Dickinson at Michigan. I mean, there are a lot of good players. That's why you think about first-team All-Big Ten. Um, it, it's going to be hard to pick just five, let alone try to pick who the best guy is, you know. It might get a lot easier as you come down to this when you, Illinois is going to play five out of six on the road. I'll tell you, we're, these decisions are going to be made by what you've seen lately, and we ain't seen yeah. it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, Lauren. I think people will have to wait and see, you know, how how both teams close. And and, and Iowa schedules no picnic, right? I think they have Michigan. I think they have Ohio State, and I think they have Wisconsin yet, uh, along with a road game maybe at Penn State. So. Um, you know, neither, uh, you know, Illinois or Iowa's got a got a uh, easy closing stretch of games here. So uh, we'll see in terms of player of the year how those two teams close and how those two guys finish. Um, you know, Garza had a monster night the other night against Wisconsin um, in that win for Iowa, and that was a big road win for them. So we'll see. We'll see where it takes us. But I'll, t- I'll tell you this. It's been fun. Um, aside from Minnesota going on a little tailspin here, you know, locally, um, it's been fun watching just how good the league is this year. That's for sure. Every night's a game. And, and, the, and you know, as I was saying earlier on the road schedule, um, you know, the Gophers haven't gotten to play, you know, they don't, they don't play at Northwestern. They don't play at, you know, they're going to play at Nebraska, I guess, a week from today now. They've rescheduled that game. Um, or at Penn State. And those are the games people are thinking, oh, well, you know, that's where you can get better. Nah, Minnesota's going to be an underdog at Penn State. Uh, and I'll tell you, you know, Nebraska took Illinois to overtime. They played Wisconsin tough. They won at Penn State. Uh, I, I'm trying to warn Gopher fans. Look, the Gophers should win that game. But if you think you're just going to waltz into Lincoln, where Minnesota, by the way, has never won in that new building, I think they're like 0-5. Um, you know, the, the, it, it's not easy. And that's, that's the fun of it. I mean, you flip on the TV and it's Michigan and Rutgers, and, and that game's a nice tight game really in the midway point of the second half. And that's, that, that's fun to watch when you can get good games almost every night. Good stuff, Mike. Always good to catch up with you, with you, my friend. I know it's a busy day for you. Thanks for taking time to visit with us. Always for you guys. You know that. I love it. Hey, thanks, thanks Mike. Mike Grimm, the voice of the Golden Gophers, with us here on WDWS Champaign-Urbana as we hit 10 o'clock, hour number one in the books. We'll have hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk coming up after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 1045 this morning. Normally it's 11 o'clock, as you know, but we've got women's basketball, the Illini on the road at Rutgers. That broadcast will begin with a pregame show at 1045 when we're done. Busy first hour talking a lot of uh, Big Ten and NCAA basketball. We're going to start out on that topic with our leadoff guest here in hour number two, David Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago. Morning, uh, David. Did you come in from uh, shoveling snow this morning? <laughs> 
No shot. That's why you have four sons. There's no chance <laughs> I'm doing any show. Those days of long sales, and there was a guy going through my neighborhood. Oh, God, it's got to be two years ago. And he said, hey, I do the plowing in the neighborhood, and I have this great deal going. I said, sign me up so my driveway gets plowed. No <laughs> shot am I doing that again. Well, that's good. At least uh, you thought it through, and uh, <laughs> you've got a plan there, right? 100%. It's The driveway is clear, and my kids, when they come by the house, because they're all out of the house, but they come by every week, they do my sidewalk, and I'm good to go. We enjoy talking Chicago sports uh, with you, David. I want to start out with a Chicago connection, of course, to the Illinois basketball team, Io DeSumo, uh, having a great year, maybe Big Ten Player of the Year or National Player of the Year caliber. At least he's in the conversation. Um, how do you? How is Illinois basketball at this point playing in Chicago? Is it uh, gathering up some attention? Yeah, it absolutely is. And I told you guys, I'm always honest. I am. I remember your old athletic director, uh, Mike Thomas getting mad at me when I criticized the hire of John Gross. It wasn't personal. It's just Lauren's known me for, God, 40 years, Lauren. And it's been, yeah, and it's, I always am going to be honest. Otherwise, why are you having me on? The hire of Brad Underwood, the day you made it, I was on with you guys that weekend, and I said, phenomenal. This guy is phenomenal. I love Brad Underwood. I've known him when he was you know, just grinding at Western Illinois as an assistant and worked his way up, and that's a great hire. People are excited about Illinois basketball. I have a son who's an Illinois alum, and he could not be more excited where the program is, and I hope you can get football to that point. But on the basketball side of things, if I'm the Bulls, I'm hoping I just miss the playoffs, that we show all this progress, which they have, and then I can grab a guy like Io to play at the point guard spot for Chicago. What a great story that would be. Is he good enough to do that, David? I think so. I scouted in the league for four years. I truly believe he's an NBA player, and I believe he's a really good NBA player. Now, is he going to be Derrick Rose? Is he going to be Kyrie Irving? Maybe not. Those We're talking Hall of Fame caliber, some of the best that ever did it. But would I, if I was running the Bulls, and I'm sitting on the board, and I'm not picking number one or two where there might be. Cade Cunningham, I think, has a chance to be a really amazing player. There's a handful of those guys, and I'm picking in the lottery. Yes, he's on the board. That's my guy because I loved – prior to the draft, I remember I watched a lot of tape on Tyrese Halliburton from Iowa State, who's now at Sacramento. And the Bulls have not had a what I call a four-pass point guard that comes down and he can look at every spot on the court, get everyone organized, and get the right guys in the right spot and organize the offense. And he does that. But after talking to Arturis Karnaschovas, he said, look, when you get lucky in the lottery and you pull up to number four, you're trying to hit a grand slam, not just a solid 10-year pro. We want a grand slam. And I think Patrick Williams has a chance to be – Kai, uh, Kawhi Leonard, maybe not quite that good, but that style player. So I understood rolling the dice and taking this six nine athlete who was 19 years old. But if you're telling me I'm picking a little bit, you know, out of the top five, maybe I'm taking Io. I love that kid. Well, I would ask you then, why do you think? And I, I went over all the mock drafts I could find this week, and they've got him ranked everywhere from 17th to 40th in the mock drafts. Why is he yeah, so the guy low? who ranked him 40th was drinking when he sat down at his 
I'm telling you that kid's a better player than that. Again, yeah. he, is he in the top five? I, I don't know who's coming out, but probably not. But will you look back five years from now and go, wow, how the heck did that kid stay on the board that long? Yeah, if I'm picking 10, yeah, he's absolute. Now, again, you have to work him out. You have to interview him. But from all I hear, from all my sources here, he is a great, great kid. And if that's accurate and he understands his role and he is somebody that fits great in our culture, yeah, absolutely I'm looking at that guy. From a guy that's been watching basketball for many years, many decades actually, what are your thoughts on today's NBA game and Kofi Coburn? You know, 10, 15 years ago, he'd be, uh, guys would be jumping all over him. How does he fit in your mind today? Well, he's incredibly raw, but he plays hard he you could see him you know like a uh, like a baby deer that's just starting to get his left he hadn't been playing the game like my kids we started them playing little kids basketball at age five <laughs> he hasn't had that type of experience or that type of training he plays hard he's dominant around the basket he can score he can rebound again he has a long way to go to understanding the nuances of the game. And that just comes with time. You know, it's like when Patrick Williams was drafted by the Bulls, I liked the pick because I went and watched tape on him and went, okay, I get it. I understand why you're rolling the dice here a little bit because he wasn't a starter at Florida State his one year. And I had so many fans tweeting at me, you're an idiot. That guy couldn't start at Florida State. Well, guess what? Leonard Hamilton plays 12 guys. And his rule in his program is my veterans are going to start. And Leonard told me, when we got to the conference tournament, I was moving him into the lineup as a starter, which is unheard of in my program. And then the pandemic hit, so no one saw it. You've got to look beyond. Like, fans get all upset the Bulls lost to the Sixers last night. They battled, they grinded, and they had a shot at the end, and they lost. Okay, guess what? For me, that's a good day if you're running the Chicago Bulls. They can't come out and say, yeah, we want to lose, but if they're picking – 19th and got knocked out in the first round or they're picking 11th and they get a way better player and they just missed the playoffs, I'll take the latter every day of the week. There's still five or six games left in the regular season college basketball, but right now, who's your pick for Big Ten Player of the Year? I mean, it's really hard to go against Luka Garza. I mean, that guy is a heck of a talent. I mean, Io's certainly going to be in the discussion you know, as you navigate through, and I've asked coaches how they navigate through the pandemic, and, you know, I had one coach tell me, look, we literally haven't had our whole team together for two weeks. We just, they were under quarantine. He said, and then we come back, and we got a game two days later. He said, my guys are gassed going through one drill because they couldn't leave their rooms. It wasn't like, well, we're not going to play, but guys, we're practicing, and we're going to run and get to the gym and lift can't do any of that stuff it's so different so it's really hard to know you know who would have been the best player if we were in a normal season I guess if I'm voting I'm going to vote for Garza I'm going to switch you over to baseball Chicago Cubs and I like to talk about the White Sox too in a moment but where are the Cubs are they are they have they got enough money to spend to 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 make them competitive Uh, I think they're going to be more than competitive Lauren I think they're in a division where no one's trying. No one, including the Cubs. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals went out and took on Nolan Arenado, and that's fine. Have they added a lot of pitching? No. 
The Brewers, they got Colton Wong, nice player. I'm not saying he moves the needle that much at second base. Um, the Pirates, they literally couldn't beat the University of Illinois right now. They're going backwards. And the Reds gave away their closer and their best starter left in free agency, and they did nothing to replace any of them. And they're still open for business if someone called and made a decent offer to take Sonny Gray, their now number one starter, off their hands. So this division is there to be taken. The Cubs still have, despite all the nonsense that's gone on and not spending, which I don't agree with, um, and it's not my money, it's Tom Ricketts, I get it, but you're going to charge the highest ticket prices and you want people to subscribe to your network and then you're going to tell them, yeah, we're not going to spend. Okay, I have no problem with the Darvish trade. None. He's going to be 35. He's had two arm surgeries, and you got back a bunch of young kids. That's fine. But then go take the $52 million that you got the Padres to eat in that deal and spend some of it on a really, really good player. Jake Arrieta, he's okay. He's all right. He's not ever going to be what he was back in the day. I like it because he brings swagger back to the clubhouse and to the team. But is he going to go out and win 18 games? I'll be stunned if that happens uh so to answer your question jed hoyer said the other day and he's on with me monday morning that he believes they have money still in their budget if they're in the race in july to go add someone the question i have is if you're eight games back are you just going to sell off every single thing you have and take whatever you can get or are you going to try and lock somebody up long term that remains to be seen what about the white Sox? I love that team. I really do. We had Tony LaRusso on yesterday. It was his first local radio interview since he's been named the manager. Really? He's dealing with, yeah, all of his off-the-field stuff. And I couldn't have been more impressed. And the amazing reaction from White Sox fans, who almost to a person hated the hiring. What do you mean we're hiring this guy? This was pre-getting the second DUI. This was a 76-year-old man and... I keep saying to people, you do realize he's the third winningest manager of all time. It's not like he forgot how to play. And when we got him on, I said, and I've interviewed Tony many times, but I said, Tony, I did the Cubs for 25 seasons, and I'll be very honest with you, when you went to the Cardinals, I despise the St. Louis Cardinals, and I couldn't stand watching you manage. And he goes, <laughs> all right, this interview's over. And I said, because every single time you had a hit behind a runner, done. You got to get a bunt down. I saw you ask Albert Pujols to lay a bunt down. And guess what? He did it and we lost. And he said, there is a way to play winning baseball. He said, the game has changed, yes. He said, I had some of the most out there personalities that I did not at all try and come down on. Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, the Bash brothers. He said, all that stuff went on under me and I never had a problem with it. I just want it to be sincere, not trying to show up the opponent. Instead, it's your exuberance. But he said the game still hasn't changed, that you play the game to win. There's a winning way to play. First and second, nobody out in the eighth in a tie game. You're hitting behind the runner and you're moving them over because I believe that my bullpen, if I get one run, could shut it down in the ninth and the game's over. I'm not worried about a three-run home run there. So I loved. He was engaging. He was funny. I think this team has a real chance. Visiting with David Kaplan from NBC Sports in Chicago. What did you think about the Fernando Tatis Jr. contract with the Padres? Bigger contract than you got it, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) You're a funny guy, Lauren. Um, I liked it from the Padres' perspective because 
if he is what they think he is, and he better be for that type of investment, they've saved money. The average annual value on the deal is $24 million. Now, to all of us, that's like, wow. But in the professional baseball world, he could very easily have held out and said, I'm going year to year. And if he had Scott Boris, he'd have gone year to year and said, okay, I'll take my $8 million here and my $10 million and keep adding it up. And, but that puts incredible pressure on the player to have to, A, perform, B, stay healthy. This way he knows, hey, man, that money's coming in and my family and generations after me are taken care of. So it was a smart decision for him, and it was a smart decision for the San Diego Padres in the long run. They could stretch that out, backload that thing, and he doesn't care. He's going to be a generational multimillionaire. I thought it was a great move for both sides. The only question is, he's played 143 games in his career. Right. He hasn't played a full season. So he better be a guy that has a work ethic. Because if you find out a year from now, what do you mean he hit 210 with three home runs and passed out of the lineup? Sorry, you're screwed. You signed him. So they better know the guy and he better stay healthy. Put your crystal ball hat on and uh, tell me, tell us who's going to be the Bears' starting quarterback next September. Wow. Uh, I'm so glad it's not Carson Wentz. Um, <laughs> I think they are going to try and make a big move in the draft. That's just what I think. Or, as Lewis Riddick said the other day on our station, he thinks that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are going to just keep adding on to the offer for Deshaun Watson if Deshaun Watson gets moved. Now, the uh, good friend of mine I went to college with who scouts in the league said, we called the Texans. We said, just tell us the price. Whatever the price is, just tell us. And the answer was, he is not being traded, period. He's either playing for us or he's playing for no one. Now, they said that about Khalil Mack in Oakland, and we know what happened. He held out, and eventually they traded him. So are they going to trade a 25-year-old generational quarterback? I don't know. Jimmy Johnson said he would show up at his house if he had been named the coach with two cold beers. Knock on the door. Coach, I'm not talking to you, no disrespect. He said, I'd leave, come back the next day with two colder beers. And if they said, sorry, he left, he's on vacation in wherever. He said, I'd get a plane, I'd fly wherever he was with two more beers. And I'd keep showing up at his door till he finally said, all right, I'm in. He said, I would not trade him under any circumstance. That's how good he is. So with all that backdrop, I'm going to say the Bears make a big move in the draft and trade up and get somebody they really like in the draft. And then they get a guy like Tyrod Taylor or some placeholder to play for one year. Okay, if they do that, can Nagy survive another year? Yes, because I think George McCaskey truly, truly likes those guys. I think he, in fact, I think he loves having those guys at the top of his food chain. So, you know, you can listen to all the radio you want in Chicago and hear all of us scream they should have made change. Let's just go back to they fired Jerry Angelo, so that's one GM. This is in the last 12 years. Yeah. Jerry Angelo to Phil Emery to Ryan Pace, you'll go to another one. So you'll have four GMs in 12 years. That is a recipe for an awful organization. From Lovey Smith to Mark Tressman to John Fox to Matt Nagy to the next guy. That's five coaches in 12 years. You're the Cleveland Browns. That's what you are. I was going to ask you, uh, I was going to leave it at that, but uh, since you mentioned Lovey Smith, that reminded me, we haven't talked to you since Brett Bielma was named the U of I coach. So what are your thoughts on that? So 
here's the backdrop to it. Look, Brett was a great coach at Wisconsin. He wasn't a very good coach at Arkansas. So I called a good friend of mine who's a basketball coach in Division One, who is one of Brett's best friends. And he said, Cap, give this guy a chance. I'm telling you, he's so motivated and so fired up. He is going to get it done at Illinois. If it can get done, Brett's going to get it done. So with that backdrop, I'm all in. Let's see what he does. That said, my college roommate was one of his assistants, and he fired him in anger after a game one day in season. And my guy's like, oh, God, I can't believe Illinois went down that road. But I'm willing to give this guy a chance because this friend of mine who's a basketball coach truly believes in Brett as a guy and as a coach. So anything I can do to help the University of Illinois, my son's a grad, let's get it done, and let's hope that he is the right guy. I well, didn't like the lovey hire, and you guys know I told you that the day it was made. Yeah, I, I, I remember that very well. And, you know, the one thing that, that Brett has done so far is he's gotten in solid with the high school coaches, which Lovey did not do. I don't know how many great players that's going to mean coming out of the state of Illinois, but I do know it's better to have the coaches with you than against you. Well, Lauren, think back to the days of the late, great Jimmy Collins and the late, great Hall of Famer Lou Henson. That's when I was coaching against them at Northern, recruiting against them, and then I became a scout, and I'm seeing them in gyms. And I've told this story many times. I'm at Marshall High School, and it's Marshall playing, I want to say Farragut. And there are Ronnie Fields, Kevin Garnett, all these great players. The gym is packed to the gills. And all of a sudden, there's this commotion by the door. These gyms in the inner city are tiny, and there's not a lot of room. And all of a sudden, a standing ovation. And in walks Jimmy Collins and Lou Henson. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. They walk in there. This is, I want to say, maybe it was 92, 93. I can't remember who the player is exactly. But I looked. There's Jimmy in a suit with an Illini baseball hat on. There's Lou and standing ovation. Oh, my God. Illinois is here. That's what it's got to get back to. And I think Brad has done a good job establishing those roots. And how a football coach takes that job as down as it was with all the stuff that had gone on and doesn't tap into the high school coaches, I'll never know. Good stuff. We covered a lot of ground, David. We appreciate your time, as always. Anytime. Lauren knows. Anytime he texts me, I'm in. Okay, okay. Thanks, David. David Kaplan with us from NBC Sports Chicago. A lot of topics there discussed. We appreciate that. 1022, we'll take a break. Have a little session here with an open line. If you've been waiting to jump in, feel free to do so. 356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk back after this. Moving up on 1025, and on IPella Saturday Sports Talk 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to jump in. We're going to go to Minneapolis here in a couple of minutes. At the bottom of the hour, Scott Ritchie for the News Gazette is covering the game up there today. He made the trek by himself yesterday. Yep. Got there with it's no problem. a long problem. way up there. It is. I wonder if he made it in eight hours. Probably so. I think the, the highways are okay now. Then They certainly weren't okay the first part of the week, but... Uh, Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah. What's your take on Jalen Johnson leaving Duke in, in the middle of February with the tournament coming up? I mean, they're not going to be in it anyway, but. I don't like it. I think it's too easy for players to to do that. And it's too easy to say, oh, I don't like it here. I'm going to transfer. Um, kind of the same thing. I, I, 
I don't care for it, but whatever. Nobody's asking me on that. Well, I just did. Well, I know, but nobody important. <laughs> nobody important. But uh, well, I you know I you know I I think that Coach K has has done the right thing in coming out in support of it. I support his decision. Okay, that's fine. Well, there's no no benefit to not supporting it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And and you know he's he's going to need the Jalen Johnson. On this year's, you know, th- yeah. this year's high school players will be coming into Duke next year, and you know he wants to he, he wants to create the the uh, oh the the thought that you can go you can leave here in one year and 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 that's what we're going to try to see that you do that we we want to mm-hmm. sure we're trying to prepare you for the NBA and uh, the college game is just incidental we'll play this one season and you'll be a one and done that's, a that's selling, the way he'll they'll. Yeah. He'll he'll approach the next group. That's a selling point for him, so he's not gonna mm-hmm. he's not gonna come out even if he disagrees with the, the decision. We've got a couple callers standing by. Let's go to the phones. Ryan in St. Louis. Hey Ryan. Hello, good morning. I have a quick question for Lauren because I had called before and asked. I'm just curious, does Lauren still think that anything is going to happen to Bill Self at Kansas? And if so, what do you think will happen? Well, I think that Kansas will be put on probation. I, I, as far as you mean, do I think self will be fired? I don't. I don't. I don't know, so I'm not that, saying about that about that far. I'm just asking what if so. What do you think will will happen, and will and will it really even wind up? I think that issue? Kansas will definitely receive some sanctions, and I think that they'll be banned from the NCAA tournament probably next year. It's just taking so long to get these things out. I mean, two three years is ridiculous, but it, they're still. In the process of reaching a decision, whatever the sanctions will be, if there will be sanctions, and I'm sure there will be. That's all I wanted to know. Okay, Ryan. Just curious what you want. Yeah, appreciate you listening down in uh, St. Louis. Let's go down to Florida. Mark is with us. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, good morning. Uh, I'll just touch on that last topic, but I really want to talk about something else. Self and self not going anywhere. How much is he worth to that university? A gazillion dollars. He's not going anywhere unless he wants to, unless he decides to go coaching the pros somewhere. But uh, I wanted to talk about the other topic, the kid leaving Duke that uh, Lauren brought up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think he, whoever is advising that kid, gave him horrible advice because if I remember right, that kid went to like three different high schools. That's right. You know, has always been on the move, Marco Polo. And uh, this is fourth, fourth school in four years. Right. And if I'm scouting, I can't trust the kid. So I'm, you know, I'm the first thing you want to check on any talented player is the ticker. And this kid is not showing one. So yeah, I, there's no way I would take that kid in the first round. Well, he'll go in the first round, I guarantee it. And he'll, he'll fall from the right – Eighth or ninth or whatever he was, and he'll fall down to fifteenth or something. But somebody yeah, will take him that. because he—you he, say that he's getting bad advice, but this is his his father, and he have have come to this conclusion. Now he has had an injury; he did miss some games earlier, and I think he just wants to be in the best physical shape. And the the college games don't mean anything to him. And you know what? Well, There's I a whole bunch that. of people just like him out there. That's what really bothers me more than anything else. There's nobody has any. I say nobody. There are for for every I O that has loyalty to the University of Illinois, and he's going to leave a year early. There's just a whole bunch that uh, don't have any loyalty at all to the school they're attending. Right, and to your teammates, you're quitting on your teammates. Yep. And that's why I hate that in football and basketball. These guys opting out. 
you're quitting on your teammates. Okay, Mark, appreciate the call. Thank you very much. From St. Louis to Florida to Maryland, Eric is with us. Good morning, Eric. Morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. Uh, I got a. I just want to make a note. Uh, every 16 years, this is the year Illinois goes to the Final Four. So, 2000 or 1989, 2005, and 2021. So, if any anybody is superstitious out there, this is the year they make it to the Final Four. Well, thank you, you for telling. I didn't. I didn't recognize that. That's that's good. I'm superstitious. Yep. So, yep. Absolutely. This is the year. This is the one. This is the, the year to do it. Uh, second, uh, I, the comparisons to IO. Now, I watch a lot of Lionel basketball. I've watched it from the 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, I think he's really good. Do I think he's a top 10 lottery pick? No. I've gotten arguments with people on Facebook and whatever, and, and uh, about Darren Williams. I would take Darren Williams over IO any day of the week. Uh, he's got a better jump shot. He doesn't make as many turnovers. Uh, there's some things about I.O. He, okay, okay. I, now, I, I agree with that, that, that. But but answer this. Who is who has had the best season, Darren or I.O.? For Illinois. Well, I'm not talking about draft. I'm talking about performance for Illinois. Lauren, they had five NBA draft picks. You know, that's a little different comparison. If uh, Darren would have been with one other All-American NBA, he, he may have had a – a much better scoring average. He was a little bit more disciplined and didn't force shots. A lot of turnovers on the drive. You know, he, I mean, come on, he's a two-time gold medalist. Who would you take? I'm just saying that Ohio's having a better season than Darren. That's what uh, I'm saying. Yeah, he's having a, no, I agree with that, but wouldn't you agree he had, he doesn't have the pieces that the. No, I'm not. I just, I just eliminated NBA talk. I said, who had the best okay, okay, season? Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. He's a, he's a he's an NBA player. Do I see him as a two-time Olympic gold medalist? And I just think Darren Williams was a, was an overall better player. He he didn't have very many weaknesses. He he had a better. There's jump no shot. question that Darren turned out to be a better overall player. But I I'm keep I coming just, back yeah. to the thing I'm I'm saying to you that nobody's had no a question. better season for Illinois in behalf of Illinois or meant more to Illinois than than. Uh, and I so far he's got he's got right. five road games coming up that I'm really worried about though I'll tell you I agree I'm just an old guy and want to give credit back to the old timers you know I, would I take <laughs> Io over Nick, Nick Anderson I think I would take Io over Nick uh, but Darren Williams I you know, he, he was a third draft pick in the NBA draft he, he didn't have a ton of points he didn't average that much but he was he was all around just a more solid player so uh, with with that said how do you think uh, uh, Illinois will end up these last five games. You think they can win all five, four and one, three and two? What's your take? I don't know. I, I'm just – I don't think they win all five. I, I just think that they're going to be competitive, and I think the games are going to go to the wire most in, in most cases. I have no idea who's going to win. Steve Kelly, what do you think? Who's uh, how, many, how many games will Illinois win out well, of the Well, like finals? we said early in the show, they could win them all. They could they could do, potentially drop them all. I don't think they'll do either of those. Yeah. But if you can win uh, – you know, five of the last six, that'd be pretty special. Ooh, even boy, even, go, even go four good. and two. You know, uh, <laughs> I'd you, take four and two and not play the game. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Eric, text with a call. Last, okay. go, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I, I just last quick question. Do you know how you can, A, get tickets either for the Big Ten tournament or for the limited seating for the NCAA tournament as an Illini fan? Do you know how you can get tickets? Well, there's not going to be any tickets Other for than... the Big Ten tournament that we know of. So that's okay. that's out. And – 
I think you got to be rich and famous to, <laughs> to get them for the NCAA yes. tournament. But uh, it's going to be 25% capacity. We talked about this earlier where all the schools will be, you know, given so many tickets. The schools will sell them. If you're a season ticket holder of one of the schools, I'd say you'd have a better chance than just a, a fan that wants to, to buy one. But the actual process has not been made clear yet. All right. Thank you, guys. Yep. Thanks yeah, for thank listening. You. We appreciate it. 1034. Quick break. Back with more after this. Welcome back to the show. We're in the home stretch here at 1036. We're off shortly before 1045 for the pregame show. Illini women's basketball tipping off at 11 at Rutgers. Mike Kuhn will be on the call for you here on DWS. Let's talk more about the men's game this afternoon, 2.30 at Minnesota. Let's go to Minneapolis. Scott Ritchie from the News Gazette, basketball beat writer, is with us from downtown Minneapolis. How are you doing this morning, Scott? I'm doing okay. Uh, just uh, biding my time before I can head over to Williams Arena for the game. Did you get up there without any issues yesterday? Yeah, it was smooth sailing, uh, all seven and a half hours of it. Um, but uh, lots of snow on the ground and no snow on the roads. So I was pleased by that. We appreciate your dedication in uh, <laughs> hitting the road there. We haven't had a chance to, to do that a lot uh, this season for the basketball coverage. But uh, how do you size this ball game up today? I think uh, in the paper this morning you predicted uh, fighting a lot I win. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm maybe going out on a bit of a limb there because Minnesota is nearly unbeatable at home this season, 13-1 and one, uh, at Williams Arena, uh, winless on the road. So they've done all of their winning at home. And Illinois, though I think, I mean, obviously they have that experience of beating Minnesota already uh, in Champaign back in December. So they kind of know this team. And despite not playing overly well, against Nebraska or Northwestern. The the winning streak continues, and Illinois obviously can play better. And I think knowing what Minnesota has, maybe they'll up their game accordingly. Uh, talk about uh, the Minnesota team in terms of uh, how the loss of Calcher affects them and what's the status of Robbins, as you know, at the center for them. Well, I mean, obviously losing Gabe Calcher – indefinitely I suppose he has a broken finger on his shooting hand so that doesn't exactly bode well I mean alters their starting lineup because he had started all 88 games of his career Um, they moved Jamal Mashburn Jr. into the the lineup I believe Um, and he's played well over the last few games but you know Kalsher hadn't this wasn't his best season. In fact, the numbers were sort of down across the board, but based on his career, you know, Rob's Minnesota of a shooter that they can use to spread the floor, give Marcus Carr a driving kick option. Um, So we'll kind of see what that means long-term for Minnesota. I mean, they, they lost at Indiana without him. Of course it was at Indiana. So maybe that's, all that made a difference. As far as Liam Robbins, don't know much about his official status. Um, as of right now, um, I'll be heading over to Williams Arena in uh, about 90 minutes. I can get in, so maybe if I can get eyes on him, I'll know more at that point. 
What's, what uh, is your take on the Illini at this point? How do they match up against this Minnesota team? Well, I mean, well, and mostly because of the fact that Illinois has two of the best players in the conference in Iowa Scuba and Kofi Coburn. That, that puts them ahead of teams, you know, kind of from the jump. And it, it means they have a guy that can, they can match up against Marcus Carr I mean, from a scoring standpoint, because the defensive duties probably be, you know, quite a bit of Trent Frazier, who really locked down Marcus Carr in December back in Champaign. But Iowa will get a, some run at him as well, maybe Adam Miller. And then, I mean, it was if Liam Robinson, you know, does play, and it was his first Big Ten game when he played Illinois back in December. Um, and he's played well this season, but he just had no answer for what Kofi <laughs> Coburn was doing that game. And I don't know that that'll change necessarily. I mean, he's Robbins is more experienced in the Big Ten, but Kofi's been at his best in conference play, and few big men have been able to slow him down. So when you get into the arena in about 90 minutes, you'll start working right away, so you'll be – uh, online uh, with the News Gazette and tweeting, uh, tweeting rather, and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. As soon as I can get in, I'll be, I'll be working. Although, I'll be very limited in where I can be. I think, you know, based on the email I got, uh, media are allowed in their specific seating area, uh, the concourse where the bathroom is, and the entrance and the exit. So, there you uh, go. <laughs> sort of like every other Big Ten venue, uh, yeah. Williams Arena is pretty much locked down. All righty. Scott, appreciate it. Appreciate uh, you getting up there to cover the ball game. We look forward to your coverage. Thanks. All right, thanks, guys. You bet. Scott Ritchie with us from Minneapolis as we uh, get set to wrap things up. Again, coming up right here on News Talk 1400, DWS, Fighting Illini Women's Basketball, the pregame show starting here momentarily. They're at Rutgers for an 11 o'clock tip. The women's volleyball team in action as well on the air this afternoon at 3 with a 2.45 pregame show there. The Illini men's game can be heard in its entirety on Light Rock 97.5 WHMS beginning with pregame coverage at 12.30. So a lot going on here on the airwaves of our stations today. Appreciate our guests this morning, Sheldon Jacobson, Mike Grimm, David Kaplan, Scott Ritchie. We also heard from Brad Underwood. Thanks as well to our producers, Blake Landa and Dave Leak. Lauren, we'll talk to you soon. Great job, Stephen. Thank you, and uh, we'll step aside. Fighting Illini women's basketball is coming up next. For Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.